Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. I'm Piers Morgan, Uncensored Tonight. Eco Yobbs calls more mayhem at the tennis this time on the day the Prime Minister hosts a summit on stopping them wrecking our summer of sports. Dale Vince bankrolls Just Up Oil, and he's back for round two. Children identifying as cats, horses and dinosaurs, refusing to talk to teachers except with animal noises. How do we fix this utter nonsense in our schools? Well, Britain's strictest head teacher, Catherine Burblesing, has some thoughts and joins me in the studio. Plus a 90-minute marathon, a 15-metre long jump, swimmers fast on the speedboats. Yes, a drug-enhanced Olympics has been the subject of pub speculation for years. But could it now become a reality? The entrepreneur behind the so-called Dope Olympics joins me to debate his controversial plans. From the News Building in London, this is Piers Morgan Uncensored. Well, good evening from London. Welcome to Piers Morgan on Sense. Now, before I begin tonight's show, I want to issue a trigger warning. The following production contains adults with opinions, some of which you may dislike, as well as discussions of world events, some of which are bad. You've been warned. And if you think that disclaimer was unnecessary, we'll take it up with the makers of a new production of A Sound of Music, that heartwarming romantic musical set against a bucolic alpine backdrop. Chichester Festival Theatre saw fit to warn ticket buyers to brace themselves for references to Nazi Germany and war. Quotes, themes they may find distressing. Really? Anybody in the world ever found the sound of music distressing? It's the very latest in a very long line of books, movies, artwork, stage shows, history lessons and university courses to be slapped with a trigger warning. They're supposed to alert people of sensitive disposition to harmful content, which may trigger their hidden traumas. There is actually zero evidence that they actually do that. But at this point, they are very triggering to me. Yes, the triggers are triggering to me. The trigger warnings are triggering to me. All of it is triggering to me. And here's why. The University of York added a trigger warning to its archaeology course because students may occasionally see human remains or bones. I'm triggered by that. Isn't that the bloody point of an archaeology course? The Globe Theatre added a trigger warning to Romeo and Juliet for violent language, sexual references, misogyny and suicide. Oh, yes. It was written 400 years ago. And by the way, you just ruined the ending. Trainee forensic investigators at the University of Exeter are now warned they'll see pictures of crime scenes. <coughs> oh, duh! Here's a little warning for you again. If you see a bag of peanuts, it might contain nuts. 
The Royal Academy of Arts slapped a trigger warning on a Francis Bacon exhibition over adult content. <laughs> Were they expecting many children? And this week it emerged that Virginia Woolf's novel to the lighthouse has been given a trigger warning over concerns about past attitudes. <laughs> now, readers of the book may have expected past attitudes already, since the book was actually written in the past. Enough of this madness. Perhaps the reason why everyone's so anxious is that we're telling them they should be every time they open a book or go to the theatre or watch a movie or do anything. It's patronising, it's infantilising, it's nonsensical and it doesn't work. Flinders University in Australia actually studied all of the other studies about trigger warnings and they found they don't prevent anybody from being triggered. In fact, they found anyone with genuine trauma was more likely to be upset by the trigger warning because it made them think of the one thing they didn't want to think about. So it's official. Trigger warnings need a trigger warning. One more time. Well, we'll debate that later, but first two, yes, you've guessed it. The Just Stop Oil Morons Take 56. Prime Minister Rishi Sunak held a summit with event organisers and national sporting bodies today to discuss how to stop these cretins from wrecking our summer of sport. He told the Sun newspaper that Johnny Bairstow, the cricketer, had some bright ideas for fixing this blight. Here's a reminder of what Bairstow did. Bairstow just waving to the dressing room. Maybe it's his gear. Well, that's the way to do it. And you throw him over the sidelines like a piece of trash, which is what they are, frankly. Will play inevitably on court 18 at Wimbledon. Was briefly suspended twice today when Just Stop Oil protesters scattered orange confetti and jigsaw puzzle pieces over the court. We please, oh, no. ladies and Once more. And another disruption. Well, note the reaction of the crowd. Did you detect universal support for this movement? Cheers of, yes, you go. You go, Just Up Oil, we're right behind you. Or did you hear what I heard? Which is loud, relentless booing, jeering and abusive shouts from a public sick and tired of this. It's another PR own goal from a protest group who seems determined to become the most hated in modern history. And elsewhere an annoying protest, anti-monarchist demonstrators targeted King Charles in Edinburgh today. Here they are with their trademark yellow T-shirts and placards as the King arrived at St Giles Cathedral. How many people do you think they want over today? Do you think there were any in the crowd going, you know what, I've actually gone off the royals. I think I'll join the movement. I doubt it. Um, well, I'm joined now by uh, a friend of the show, Riz Posnett from the anti-monarchy group Republic, uh, and also by the green tycoon and Just Up Oil backer, Dale Vince. So, Dale uh, Vince, uh, well, welcome to both of you, but, Dale, let me start with you. Trevor Nielsen, who is a big uh, supporter of uh, groups like Just Up Oil, came out in the Sunday Times last week and said it's become disruption for the sake of disruption. Working people trying to get their job, get to their jobs, uh, dropping kids off at school, 
or just enjoying themselves. Uh, there's now uh, a case where pink-haired, tattooed and pierced protesters stand in front of the cars so their kid is late, for example. It's just performative. It's not accomplishing anything. I actually believe it's become counterproductive. And I just feel like that has to be said by someone involved in the beginnings of what it's become. This is going to require an immensely difficult navigation of the middle, and the activists are ostracising the exact people they need to engage. They're creating an excuse for people to stay on the sidelines. Blocking bridges, he said, is a lot easier than building bridges, and that's what we need to do if we're going to succeed. I think he's right, isn't he? I mean, I just don't see any upside now to what these Just Stop Oil protesters are doing. They are deliberately wrecking ordinary people's, in many cases, hard-earned enjoyment, watching sport that they love. And for what? My turn? Yeah. I think it is. <clears throat> so, look, um, I think your language is um, exaggerating, right? They're, they haven't wrecked sport. They aren't wrecking people's lives. The climate crisis is wrecking people's lives. It has killed 4 million people already, and it does make 20 million people every year homeless, right? I call that disruption. Cricket was about three minutes. Today, there was more disruption at Wimbledon from the rain than there was from the protest. So I think you're making much of it. I think they are doing a good job because they continue to put this issue on the news agenda. But everybody hates them. <laughs> Again, an exaggeration. Well, it's not an exaggeration. Listen to the crowd. Listen to the crowd. Here. Okay, but that's not everybody, is it, Piers? There's no one that's cheering the crowd at Wimbledon. There's not a single person applauding that's the or crowd cheering at Wimbledon. Right, that whole crowd <laughs> at Wimbledon, like the whole crowd at Lords, I was there for that. Uh, like all the crowds at all these events that they're wrecking or trying to wreck with their attention-seeking, the truth is the British public are absolutely sick and tired of this. It's just not working. Trevor Nielsen's right. It's backfiring. It's seen as performative, seen as attention-seeking, and it is destroying build, uh, bridges rather than building them. The strategy isn't working. Well, I disagree with you and with Trevor. I think uh, performative art has a powerful role in our society, actually, in shaping how we think about things and what we think. And I think that these very brave people are putting themselves in harm's way and, and creating... A constant media attention for the climate issue, which we have to have because it's doing such great harm and it's driven by fossil fuels. And our government are intent on drilling for more oil and gas to make the problem worse. What they're going to do, <clears throat> excuse me, is harm people, actual harm to people, their lives and their livelihoods by drilling the North Sea for more oil and gas. They're going against the scientific consensus and the political consensus globally to do this foolish thing, claiming it will lower our energy bills, which is a lie, because they know that they can't do that, because fossil fuels are priced by global markets. We right. allow that. So, so, again, like I said to you last time, I have a lot of sympathy with a lot of the arguments. I think we should do a lot more than we're doing uh, as a globe, although my real issue is with countries like China and India, who are by far the worst polluters in the world. It's not actually the UK. Uh, and I don't see any of these heroic protesters getting on a plane to Beijing or to Moscow or to Mumbai. There's a moral cowardice about this. They're targeting a country which actually has been doing more than almost any other to uh, be progressive in this area. But aside from that, if you're going to have a movement, you've got to bring people with you. I don't know anybody, literally anyone, who is watching these scenes time and again at all these sporting events and thinking, that's going to make me join this movement. It actively puts people off. OK, how about some facts on China? Because it comes up all of the time, what about China? 
the per capita carbon emissions of the people in China are tiny, right? way smaller than they are in Britain. And just last week, it was announced that China has built more solar panels than the rest of the world put together, right? which includes Britain. And they're at 50% green electricity on their grid now. And that's for a country of over a billion people. What percentage, all right, but what percentage of pollution? Of what percentage of the global pollution comes from China? Bear in mind, it's 1.1 billion people yeah. making most of the world's stuff, including the stuff that we what have here. What percentage of so the world's pollution comes from Absolutely. China? Tell me. No, you tell me. You're the expert. <laughs> I'm telling you, per capita, as an individual Not person, per capita, it's a tiny percentage of global That's important. Percentage That's important. of global pollution. There are 8 billion... No. You don't it's want to important. tell me, do There are 8 billion people on this planet... I'm telling you I don't know, you should tell me, mm. right? I'm, I'm telling you I don't care. Per capita, it's tiny, and we should have a fair share of the carbon the footprint globally. The they built more solar power than the rest of the world put together, Pierce, and they're at 50% green on their electricity grid. I say those are amazing achievements mm. when you say, what about China? Yeah, I say they, they produce more than a quarter of the world's pollution, and I don't see anyone from Greta Thunberg yeah. to you guys getting out there to Beijing and shouting at them or wrecking their sporting events, and we all know why. Let's bring in Riz, who's chuckling away because you find all this terribly amusing. Uh, Riz, you supported Just Stop Oil. Uh, No-one at Wimbledon today supports Just Stop Oil. They just think you're a bunch of idiots. I know you weren't there today. You were shouting at the Royals up in Scotland. Why do you support this kind of protest that we're seeing at all these sporting events? Oh, I'm not sure I've completely condoned that. And to be clear, I'm not speaking on behalf of Republic today. I speak on behalf of No More Royals. But absolutely, we are protesting in Scotland. And Piers, you're going to, like, you've just been going on at these guys at Just Stop Oil about why are you disrupting ordinary people and why don't you target the right thing? And we've been doing that, uh, shouting at the king. Why do you support that method of protesting? Why don't you come out and condemn Just Stop Oil like... Trevor Nielsen, who was funding some of this stuff before, has suddenly realised the pennies dropped. It doesn't work. Uh, I'd like to talk about coronation because it's, but uh, to respond to that question, uh, we're in a climate crisis. It's horrifying. I'm terrified for my future, and just the foil are one of the only uh, groups of people at the moment who are doing anything about that. Uh, but as I say, I'd like to focus on the issue. Well, I'm sure you would. I'd like to focus on what's just happened because it's indicative of, of a summer of protest by people who think they can convert people to their cause. Even if people are inclined to do so, we're now at a point where you can tell from the audience reactions at these events, they literally want to garrot them. And what worries me is it's going to lead... It is going to lead to bad situations if this carries on because people are gonna just, just going to take the law into their own hands. <laughs> uh... Sorry, that's stupid. Sorry, I, I well, actually don't You don't have to keep swearing, to to Riz, with uh, respect. Do you want to talk about the protest? Riz, yeah, you don't, my you don't, you don't have enough. to keep swearing. Do you want to talk about the protest yeah. or do you want to say uh, that protests shouldn't happen and we should all suck it up and deal with it? Because that's easy for you, right? Like, you've been dealt a pretty good hand. I believe so in peaceful protest. Uh, but I actually care. I believe in, okay. in peaceful protest. So do you I want don't... to talk about the peaceful protest today, I believe then? in peaceful protest. I don't believe in wrecking ordinary people's lives as they're going to work, as they're going to hospital, as they, on some cases, going to funerals. I don't think that, that when they cool. pay for sporting yeah. events that they maybe save money for all year long. That's fine, because neither those, Republic they should have or those No More did that today. I'd love to talk They shouldn't have it ruined that. by a bunch let's, of... Let's talk about it. There was a Republic up at one end who were... 
uh, a massive crowd, far bigger than any of the monarchists. I mean, the streets are pretty much empty. Uh, I haven't had a chance yet to look at any of the coverage, uh, yeah, but I sure. think you'll see that because uh, there is pretty much nothing going on on the monarchist end and the Republic demo is enormous. Uh, and then there's No More Royals, who did a banner drop, uh, chanting, can I swear? I just did. Uh, the king feed the hungry, because that's what we want to talk about, right? Uh, you know what, you know what Riz, for a very... They've, they've done this... You know what, Riz, for a bright young woman who's getting a very good, expensive education, you do behave like a complete foul-mouthed idiot. You don't do yourself any favours. Why do you think coming on a show like this and just repeatedly using the F word, why do you think that makes you look any better? Yeah, I did apologise for that. You've I done did apologise for that in advance, but three times. Um, that was what we said. Three okay. times. Yeah, uh, F the king... Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to censor it. Yeah. Uh, F the king... Um, feed the hungry. That's mm. what we were chanting uh, because that's what we should be talking about today. The first coronation mm. was ridiculous. It was a slap in the face of, of the British people. You asked for a question. It's this. Do you really <laughs> think Do you really think the best way to persuade people of your argument is to come on a show like this, laugh manically at people who are doing uh, ruinous things to people's enjoyment and then just keep swearing all the time? Do you think that really helps you? Do you think people watch this and go, she's really persuaded me, that girl? Wow, she was so eloquent, she they, was effective. They don't. Personally. They just think it's, again, performative, attention-seeking. You want to get your little YouTube moment, and by the way, you'll probably get one. And good for you, but no-one's going to come round to your cause. That's it. I can promise Fair you. Fair enough. Um, I actually don't want that YouTube movement moment. Uh, I don't want your fans calling me assorted slurs on Twitter. Um... And to be fair, right, uh, I did say at multiple points, can we talk about the issue? Can we talk about this outrageous... By the way, I don't think we've even mentioned I'm in Edinburgh. Right. There's been a second coronation and no-one showed up. Um, you know, I, I can only apologise for the swearing, but uh, <laughs> I think the laughing was more to do with your ridiculous coverage of it. All right. Well, as always, uh, always a pleasure to have you on. Thank you very much. Coming back to you, Dirk, let's, let's, let's finish on something uh, on a more positive note. You've just appointed... Uh, your football club, which you own, Hannah Dingley, as caretaker manager. She's the first female manager of a professional men's team in English football. Quite a groundbreaking moment. Yeah, it is. I just want to say Riz is right. The first coronation cost 200 million quid, right, for hard-pushed Britons struggling with a cost-of-living crisis. Just want to say that. Hannah Dingley, football, yeah. We've, we've pushed another boundary, right? How can it be that in 2023, no women has led a men's first team in the top four flights of uh, English football? How can it be? But there it is. Until tonight, when we play our first pre-season friendly game against Melksham. I'm looking forward to it. Why is she only caretaker manager, if you believe in her that much? <laughs> You're such a twister of words. Well, she's been <clears> appointed so caretaker manager, recruitment process. Hang on, have I, have I misquoted you? I'm it's sorry. quite... Uh, yeah, sorry, you said if I believe in her so much, right? No, is, uh, she, is she caretaker manager or is she, has she been appointed full-time or caretaker? She, half of what you said was true, the other half was made up. Yes, she's caretaker manager. And if you know football, you know that's quite normal. You've just sacked the previous manager after six months, so how long will you give her? <laughs> she's... She's... I thought we were talking about something positive, but you, well, you can are. turn Look, anything I'm, into something I'm a something pragmatist. I'm a big negative, football fan. You've got a lot of good headlines and publicity oh. for appointing the first female manager, but actually she's only caretaker, you know, and people will be curious. You've sacked the, you the last guy after six months. If you were to sack her after a few weeks or months, how's that going to look? 
who knows? But look, what happened was unexpected for us. And Hannah has been with us four years leading the academy. When we made that appointment, that was the first ever. We didn't know that at the time. We found out afterwards. This one we were aware of. But Hannah is the best qualified person at the club to take this role, this interim role. So she got the job. We didn't want this media storm. Really didn't want it at all. But here it is. You didn't think by appointing the first female caretaker manager of a professional men's team, you would get any attention? She's the best candidate for the job at the club. This is what happens. You look at within the club, you find your best coach and you say, take the team in an interim t uh, period while we do a proper recruitment process. That's all that's happening here. And look, you guys in the media, you've, you've made much of it. And I think it's not all bad, actually. I mean, you have a particular negative way of coming about it. But for the actual whole country to understand that this is a momentous first, and it really shouldn't be, not in 2023, then I don't think it's such a bad thing. Well, it is, unless you sack her after a few weeks. <laughs> Why do you keep coming back to that? Because she's if only a caretaker. Of appointments, she's only a caretaker. Look at our record of appointments. So if you believed in her that much, you'd have look made a manager. You've got all the publicity, but actually no, no, she's no. not got the full That's job. That's not how it works. And I suspect what's going to happen is you're going to go and you find... football. You're going to probably go and find a bloke to I... replace her, and then you're going to have to deal with that. I... I thought you understood football, Piss. I do. I'm an Arsenal fan. <laughs> I was going to ask you that. But that's cool. I thought they had a good season last season, actually. I was rooting for them to win the title. Uh, we choked. But that, there we are. That's football. We've made some good signings. Declan Rice <laughs> will take us to the title next season. Uh, Dale, I hope she succeeds. I hope she's there for a long time. I hope I'm not interviewing you again in a few weeks' time when you've replaced her with a man, because that would really be awful. Uh, but great to talk to you. Well, I think... I think at least we weren't talking almonds and avocados, so I'm happy. We can come back to that next time. <laughs> Good to talk <laughs> See to you. See you later. the next tonight. Children identifying as cats, dinosaurs, even a moon. What is going on in our schools and what's the answer? I'll talk to Britain's strictest head teacher, some would say best head teacher, Catherine Burlesing next. How much money have you made from kids? Oh, come on. Women or the live performing? Pierce Morgan. I'm sorry, I get choked up when I think about this. I've read that you're worth $400 million. Really? By the way, I look pretty good. <laughs> you did? Yes, a bit of all right, you know what I mean? <laughs> we literally have everything from kiss condoms to kiss caskets. We'll get you coming and we'll get you going. There is a kiss toilet seat. Oh, yeah. I sit on my face. It's just a <laughs> but I tell you what, kind of a big deal. When I was singing, I was chewing gum, and they said, Mr. Simmons, please take out your gum because I'm a wise guy. I said, eBay, how much, Pierce Morgan? Let me guess, 5000 back. $247,000. Or <laughs> well, for a piece of gum. Gene Simmons gum. <laughs> That Gene Simmons interview is one to watch. It'll be tomorrow night for the hour, one-on-one, -on -one, uncensored, with one of the most charismatic rock stars probably ever. Uh, but welcome back to Pittsburgh Uncensored. Catherine Burblesing is the self-styled strictest head teacher in Britain with a stellar reputation for teaching children basic manners and respect and hard work ethic. I can't think of a better person, frankly, to speak to when I read that children in schools across Britain are now identifying as cats, horses, dinosaurs, and in one case, a moon. A reminder of the leaked audio recording that brought the bizarre scandal to light, featuring a teacher reprimanding children for refusing to accept a class-based decision 
to identify as a cat. If they want to identify as a cow or something, then they're like genuinely unwrapped. Then they find, yeah, they're crazy. You're questioning their identity. I wasn't a question, I was just saying about the gender. I haven't said anything about them. But where did you get this idea from that there's only two genders? Gender is not linked to do with the, not linked there to the parts that you were born with. Gender is about how you identify. But you identify with the gender that, with the sexual organ that you're born with yeah. or you're weird. That's yeah. basically what you're saying. Yeah. Which is really despicable. Well, Catherine, what did you make of that when you heard that tape and read the story behind it? Yeah, well, um, actually, for some weeks before that, I had been talking about cats in schools mm. um, because I know of teachers in schools where that's happening. It's, it's called furries, right? This is a real thing. It's furries, like a... exactly. And, and in some places, you know, they're able to wear ears and tails and things. And um, the thing is, I don't blame the schools because... Don't you? No, because, in fact, in some places, the parents are coming in and telling the schools, this is how you must treat my child. So Why don't the schools just say no? You would, <laughs> wouldn't you? Well... The... I bet there are no kids at your school dressing up as cats, <laughs> identifying as cats, are no, there? that's true. No, no, there are... You wouldn't allow it, would you? Well, no, but, I mean, I... I, I mean, I'd have a conversation with the parents, and that's mm. the thing. This isn't just a school problem. This is a societal problem. Mm. And it's something that we need to talk about and think, well, what, what is acceptable and what isn't? Um, and the problem is there's no guidance for schools mm. as well. So head teachers and ordinary teachers in the classroom, what are they meant to do? Uh, I do feel so sorry for them, really, because they're getting it in the neck, and I, and I get that it's, it's difficult. But just the, well, I don't think it is that difficult. <laughs> if a kid identifies as a horse in the classroom, you don't, you're not obliged to tolerate it. Yeah. And but... again, I don't think you would. No, but, you know, I do have secondary school children. You mm. know, they're primary, they're young. If you have children that are finding it difficult to fit in, and then they, they decide to behave in a particularly... It's a slightly strange way. How much do you support... At what, you know, at what stage do you feel you're enabling them or you're, you're helping them? Mm. You know, it's difficult. It's, it's, not, it's not a straight cut as just saying, well, this is just, you know, silly. I mean, it, it this, is silly, this, but... this also plays into limitless self-identity, which must be causing all sorts of problems at all sorts of schools. Yes. Um, how do you deal with that? And what's your view of that? Yeah, well, it is difficult. I mean, and we need guidance. It's, mm. it's very hard because it isn't just the schools. It's also the parents. And the difficulty that any head teacher has is trying to balance what they feel is right for the children at their school and what they're offering, and then also trying to do what's right by the parents and what the parents but want. But there are now girls' schools marketing themselves as girls' schools, yes. selling fees as girls' schools yes. for their girls to go to a girls' school who now outlaw the use of the word girl because yes. there may be some people identifying as non-binary yes. who may be offended. I find that absurd. Yes, but then the rest of society possibly doesn't, and that's the difficulty. Well, I think most of society does, actually. Well, but would they say it out loud? You know, that, no, that's the thing. but that's, that's where we've got to. Yeah. I would, because I think it's nuts. Yeah. And also, I think it's very hypocritical of a school to market itself as a girls' school yes. and then suppress the use of the word girl. So I think there's a real hypocrisy there. Yes. But I think there's also a bit of a moral cowardice. I really do. Yes. I well, mean, schools... In, when I was young, schools took a moral lead. Yes. I don't remember teachers marching in and yes. having everything changed yeah. to acquiesce to what their idea of of teaching would be. Yes, but that and that's the case with all kinds of things. This mm. is not just with regard to this issue, but to, with regard to everything. Schools used to take a moral stance on things and used to lead the way for a society. But you do to a degree. Yes, we do, but I think we're quite... And you've sure. become very polarising as a result for yes. reasons that completely baffle me. Yes. I mean, you run a school which is run on 
discipline and hard work ethic yes. and politeness yes. and respect. Yes. These used to be things that we thought made our country great. I know, I know. And What's going on? Why, why are you <laughs> suddenly a villain? I don't know. <laughs> it's a very good question. You would think that this would be what all of us want, but it, society has changed. That's the thing. Mm. So then when you're saying it's the fault of schools, but you look at this, I stand up for tr traditional values and I'm hated for it. So mm. do you really expect all head teachers to do that? It, we're, we're asking too much of them. But the real problem with that whole issue is when schools aren't communicating with parents, where schools are taking children down certain roads and are not letting parents know. And are that parents is being too weak or too strong? I mean, are they having too much power now at schools, or are they being too weak with their kids, empowering them to have supposedly too much power? Yeah, well, I def both, frankly. Mm. I think teachers and parents, we as adults, have abdicated authority and responsibility. Mm. And the children depend on us to push back and to show them the way, to, to guide them and lead them. And unfortunately, I'd say over the last 40 to 50 years, we've lost the whole concept of adult authority. And Parents and teachers want to be friends <coughs> with the kids as opposed to being the adult in authority. You've had a big spat this week with Jess Phillips from the Labour Party and you've actually written to Sakir Starmer, the leader. Yeah. In, a, in a nutshell, what was it about? Well, there was no spat. She just attacked four times to 630,000 followers for no reason. Um, I don't know Jess Phillips. She doesn't know me. Uh, and she sent out these tweets <coughs> to her followers uh, saying that I believed in domestic violence. This is because when Tina Turner died, you tweeted a picture right. of her with Ike Turner. Well, it was a malfunctioning gif. And for some reason, it ended up on that picture. And I said, good times. Now, obviously, anyone normal would look at that and think, well, it was a mistake. Mm. But she chose the opportunity to, to lash out at me four times, a million views, a whole load of people attacking me. She's an MP, Minister for Safeguarding, or uh, Shadow Minister. Um, she called into question the safeguarding policies at my school. Mm. She called into question my ability to do my job. Why? I mean, I don't have anything to do with Jess. Well, is it because you gave a speech to the National Conservatism Conference? In other words, they, they view you now as being political. Well, on the other side. You say that. At every political conference, party political conference, mm. there will be head teachers and teachers who mm. speak at the Labour conference, at the Conservative conference. But what doesn't happen is a black head teacher who goes and speaks at a National Conservative con conference, which had nothing to do with the Conservative Party. Mm. But the fact is, th there is an unconscious bias on the left where they, they sort of believe, no, and not everybody on the left, but too many think that black people should not lean conservative. Mm. And the fact is... That's true. I do lean conservative, generally speaking, but I believe in unconscious bias. That's mm. quite a leftist idea. So I'm a bit... You know, I have ideas from both sides. And the problem with this particular type of unconscious bias is that because it belongs to the left, the left reject it, the right don't like to recognise racist unconscious bias. Mm. So neither side is recognising that this is an issue. I think it's something that Priti Patel, Suella Barberman, Kemi Badenoch, I think they suffer from it too. I think I, I suffer from it regularly, where people say, how dare you go and speak at that conference? And I think, well, why shouldn't I speak at that conference? Well, some of the things you said, I was cheering, you know, and I don't identify as right-wing. <laughs> uh, but you said at the conference uh, that the audience should act as if they felt their children's schools did not reflect the small-c conservative values. Well, I'm asking, you said, how much do you love your country? Yeah. How much do you love the values that you claim to defend? Do you love them yeah. enough to tweet under your own name? Yeah. Do you love them enough to change your child's school to one that's less woke? Yeah. Ignore the impact on your social status? Yeah. Do you love them enough to do more than simply chat to your friends who already agree with you at dinner parties? For heaven's sake, man, you said, stand up and be counted. As yeah. Russell Crowe says in the film Gladiator, <laughs> a clip you regularly play to your staff, mm. hold the line, stay with me, what we do in life echoes in eternity. That's right. I wanted to cheer that. 
Yeah. Not because I think you're conservative, yeah. but because actually these used to be values yes. which most British people held. And well, I suspect a lot more still do than people think. Well, and what I was trying to say to them is, if you think these things, then get up and say it. For goodness sakes. And, you know, after I spoke to them, a woman stopped me on her bike on the street and she said, I'm going to speak out more, I'm going to mm. say what I think. And I thought, great, that's what we need to do. Because too many people are quiet about I what I totally they agree. You know? There is a silent majority. They're getting a little noisier. Yeah. But they're all kowtowed by cancel culture. Exactly. Because the woke left have been basically terrorising people. That's right. And they've come for you hard. And yes. I'm very glad to see that you've continued to <laughs> put your head over the parapet. Well, have you I'm heard trying. back from Keir Starmer? No, but it hasn't been that long, I'm hoping. Fingers we'll, crossed. We'll nudge him. I'm sure he'll respond. <laughs> uh, great to see you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. On Sensor Next, a major ice cream company gets political, of course it does, urging the United States to hand back indigenous land, but attacking the founding fathers, the Mount Rushmore, attacking that on July the 4th. My stellar pack will join me to unravel that debate and others. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Right, to Piers Morgan, I says, and I'm joined by the journalist and author of the new book, The Power Code, Caddy Kay, Talk TV contributor Esther Cracker on the Daily Mirror's associate editor Kevin Maguire. I want to play a clip. This is from Australian Morning Television today, with the Australian Prime Minister just started to give, have a little pop at me. Take a look at this. Let's talk about the ashes, Rishi Sunak, <laughs> um, who looks like he could blow over in a stiff breeze. Uh, he's fired up about the ashes. Uh, is it time to revoke? the visas of English elites like Piers Morgan. Just get rid of it. Just don't let them come in. That's it. <laughs> well, I, I think that would be a very harsh measure, uh, Carl. What it, what it might be better to do is to allow people like Piers Morgan <laughs> to come in and to come on your show and remind him of Australia's massive Ashes victory, both the men's and the women's team, are nailing it over there mm. in the UK. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Prime Minister, just for the record, you've won nothing yet. The ashes are alive, and at Headingley tomorrow, it's going to be the Coliseum, the Yorkshire version, and you lot are going down. So I will be on that breakfast show in three or four weeks, talking about a thrilling comeback by England to win the Ashes 3-2, and the women are going to win too. So I would just put a cork in it, Cobber. Um, right. <laughs> Let's move to our pack. Um, so there's a... I love this story. Transport for London bosses abandon an advert for a new play in the West End because it features a Victoria sponge cake and the ad apparently promotes the consumption of high-fat salt and sugar, sugar foods and didn't comply with the organisation's advertising policy. So they've now had to rip it down. This is for a Broadway show, Tony and Tina's Wedding, which has this cake in it. Uh, I don't know where we start with this. Kevin... When did we say you couldn't have a big cake yeah. as a promo? I know, I know. Look, there's an obesity problem in London, as there is in the UK and much of the world, certainly the developed world. So the ban is on advertising, that's pushers, unhealthy foods. I think this is caught. But there's I a think wedding they just cake need in to, the production. Look, I think it's daft. I think they need to tweak 
the ban. So you can't say buy cakes. Uh, oh please! I mean, you don't want. I did the look. I did my monologue today on these trigger warnings, right? How it's been established that trigger warnings actually trigger people who the warnings are supposed to protect because it reminds them of what they're supposed to be yeah. not thinking about. Right. I mean, the, Esther, the, we are literally going nuts here with this I, stuff. I, I do think... I'm, I'm very curious whether actually there's a link between, you know, banning ads of, of unhealthy foods and whether people stop consuming them, right? Because I don't... Do you think, think anybody looks at a production for a, for a, well, a, a Broadway okay. show which has a poster with two characters on a sponge cake and they think, I must go and eat a sponge yeah, yeah, cake? But, yeah, but, 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 but makers of very sugary and fatty, unhealthy foods would not spend a fortune on advertising if they didn't think it was well, getting us to eat this, it. This is, this is a show. I mean, uh, if, there's, if anything, it would make me want to see yeah, oh, the I show agree, as I agree. opposed to All right. actually buying yeah. a cake. Let me bring in Caddy, who's a welcome uh, visitor to Piers Morgan Uncensored. So you've done this book, The Power... Uh, power... Well, how, how, what, code? what is that? The power code. The power code. Oh, the power the, code. The less, it was, you know, long oh, it runs around. Okay. Collins, uh, more joy, less eager, maximum impact for women. Mm. Is the problem with all these things, are too many women not in charge or are too many women in charge of these mad decisions? No, I mean, we've stalled at the top of women. We've got only 10% of CEOs are women. Mm. 30 out of the world's 300 countries have women leaders. Women improve the bottom lines of the companies they work for. And so we were trying to look at why are women not progressing? Why have they not got to the top? And one of the things we found is that actually there was a study out of Harvard showing that women don't really want power. They look at power and they think the cost of getting it too high. Power itself seems unappealing. I've met some power-crazed women. Yep, of course. There, of course there are going to be people, women in power, who love to wield power the old way. What we were looking at is why aren't they progressing and what could you do about power itself to change it to get more women? I mean, if the world was in a wonderful state, we mm. wouldn't have thought you need to change things. But are, you, are, you of the belief, are you of the belief that, that if the world was run by women world leaders we would have less turmoil and war. We haven't got any evidence on that because there haven't been enough women leaders. So um, all of this is, you know, we look at data and research. I'm not going to tell you that if women were running every single country, we wouldn't have wars. But we do know that women, when they run companies, for example, those mm. more women in senior positions at companies improve the bottom line of those companies. They make more profits, which most companies would think is a good thing. So we want more women at the top. You spent uh, 20 years in the States, mm. reporting a lot for the BBC, obviously. Um, every week now, it seems to be a story of a corporate a kind of woke corporate campaign, spectacularly backfiring. Uh, it started with Gillette after the Me Too campaign, when they suddenly went all, every man's a Harvey Weinstein, till they prove otherwise. Nine billion came off the bottom line. They had to reverse and go back to alpha male advertising. We saw the Budweiser mm -hmm. thing with Dylan Mulvaney, the transgender influencer. Modelo now the biggest selling beer in America because of that. Right. Yeah. Um, and we've seen it with Target, who did a lot of stuff during Pride Month and got attacked by it by its consumer base. Uh, and now we've seen Ben and Jerry's, the ice cream, you know, champions in America, always doing pretty motivated stuff. But they chose Jan July the fourth to launch this campaign to basically guilt-trip America about indigenous rights, which is a perfectly legitimate thing. But on July 4th, they actually targeted Mount Rushmore, obviously the four faces, they said, making them out to be a bunch of brazen thieves, when in fact they're four of the great presidents of the United States. I suspect this will backfire. I suspect there'll be a run of campaign against Ben & Jerry's. Where, where is all this going to go? I don't 
know. I don't know if the Ben and Jerry's case will backfire because Ben and Jerry's have long been known and associated with liberal causes. So mm. I think that people expect it of Ben and mm. Jerry's to some extent. I think CEOs in America, I'm sure you've spoken to them, peers, are increasingly being put in a position perhaps because of failure of politicians to get things done where they're having to take positions on social issues that they don't want to, whether it's immigration, gun control, mm. um, you've seen companies take positions on that mm. too. I think it's incredibly awkward for CEOs. They don't, I don't think they can because they're partly because they're client base, but also mostly because they're employee base. Because mm. younger That's employees thought, in particular yeah. are pushing CEOs to take these... But this reminds me, Esther, of the uh, conversation I just had with Catherine Burblesing, which is parents and students mm. now driving yeah the power we're seeing this now with young employees i quite agree with you of these companies driving them to take very woke positions disney had just had this huge yeah. bust up with ron DeSantis in florida i don't think they should be doing any of this stuff well it's a case of the inmates are running the asylum because actually back in the day you know as as arrogant as i think my generation is we the <laughs> previous generations you knew that you could you have to keep your mouth shut when someone with 20 plus years of experience is speaking at the very least um, but now we have these young people that think they know best they they have access to the internet they know more than everyone else and I think that's the bigger problem. I don't think it's, it has to do with the consumer base, actually, for these companies, because Kevin? you tend to divide them. Yeah, I, think I, it's, I like it when young people, you know, the new generations challenge the, you know, the older generations. Yeah, I actually think that's good. Yes, you've got to get the decisions right. Now, Ben and, ben and Jerry, I think their marketing's fantastic. They're getting talked about, again, the people who will go and spend their dollars or pounds, wherever you are, euros, on Ben and Jerry's probably like all this. Well, we know. It works we know. Now, but yep. what, what if what if they ah. go down the Budweiser yeah. route and you know, why would you stir? Why, why would you, make you make stir up division mm. on July the fourth, the day of unity? I mean, look, as a Brit, yeah. I don't you know obviously celebrate July the fourth. I think we dropped the ball under old Mad King George, but that's another matter. <laughs> uh, but the idea of a, an American company that's been very successful in America launching this attack on the very idea of July the fourth. On July the fourth, but, but it's, an, it's an invented myth idea of July the fourth. It's not the true story well, it's of not. America. They just celebrate, and they just celebrate independence yeah. from the Brits. Yeah, but you know really how, it, how, it, how it was achieved and what went on. You, but like, but you it's, like, it's like the old, the it's the old Mayflower story, isn't it? Which is all a bit. All right, Kenny. Before I let you go, who's going to win the election, 2024, America? I think Joe Biden probably wins, but if something happens to him or to the economy mm. a month before the election, I think Donald Trump's the nominee. But what a choice. Yeah. Country of 330 million people. How can it be this? And we're going to have a rerun. Yes. And I was exhausted at the end of the last time. <laughs> I'm exhausted just thinking about it. Uh, the Power Code. Terrific book, Caddy Kay and Claire Shipman. Uh, really, I'm going to really enjoy... Uh, showing this to people <laughs> to see what they think. Have <laughs> a oh, good to see you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Pat. On Sense of Next, it's been the subject of pub debates and Twitter speculation for years. An Olympics where all the athletes are allowed to take as many performance-enhancing drugs as they want. The founder of the controversial Enhanced Games, or the Doping Olympics, as they're calling it, is here next. Welcome back to Piers Morgan Uncensored. What might be possible in sport if performance-enhancing drugs were all allowed? A 90-minute marathon, a 15-metre-long jump, swimmers faster than speedboats? Well, we might soon find out. The inaugural Enhanced Games, or the Doping Olympics, as it's been dubbed, aims to rival professional athletics, but with a twist. You can basically take whatever you like. I'm joined by the president of these Enhanced Games, Aaron D'Souza, and five-time Olympian Mark Foster. All right, Aaron, uh, sell it to me. What on earth should we want or have 
a doping Olympics where everyone just dopes themselves up? Because science is real, Pierce. Medicine is real. Technology is here. So is cheating. Uh, it's not cheating at all. We're creating a level, open playing field. Cheating is happening at the Olympic Games because they have a highly constrained environment with an artificial rule set. Um, and in the enhanced games, we want to do everything out in the open to create a much safer, fairer, truthful Are you deadly serious about this? Absolutely. You, you think you can genuinely put on an event where everyone's doped up? Absolutely. So, like, like the cycling with Lance Armstrong was doing, where they're all on drugs? And it's much safer, Pierce, when it's done out in the open. But when right. they're taking legally... Legally what? prescribed, clinically supervised performance enhancement regimes. All right, Mark, this might sound completely nuts, but is, is the existing system being so discredited with so many cheats? Is there some method to this madness? No, well, I was wondering if it was a serious... The reason why I came in is to see yeah. whether it was a, a, a serious thing uh, and whether these things are going to happen and how far it's gone. Uh, I, my head tells me that it's completely unsafe and I think people will abuse it and people die from taking drugs on a daily basis anyway. I don't just... I mean, performance-enhancing drugs. And I just think, where does it go? We've seemed to have safeguards in place. Yes, some people slip through the net. There is what Wild of the World Anti-Doping mm. Association do have things in place. And there still are people out there that do cheat if they choose to, but it's a very small minority. I just think looking at this from the outside, it's just got death written all over it. From I mean, it point. has. I mean, what are you going to do if people start dying? Because they're all trying to outdope each other. They're all taking whatever they want. I mean, it's a completely insane idea, isn't it? You're a lawyer. I mean... Yes, I am a lawyer, but... Aren't you just going to be on the receiving end of massive amounts of lawsuits? Well, in fact, there are quite a number of international sporting competitions that do not have drug testing. The X Games, for example, which is probably the most uh, prevalent challenger to the Olympic Games, does not have drug testing. The NFL, the NBA, Major League Baseball have uh, drug testing regimes that are not compliant with uh, WADA. The Olympic Games is... Well, they drug still have drug testing. Well, it's, it's much, much lighter... Uh, because the power... Yeah, but the you're NFL taking all is... the limits off and you're saying anyone can take anything. So if people want to win and they think there's money at the end of it or a big prize or whatever it may be, they're going to take a lot of stuff and that is going to be very dangerous. Well, we must believe that athletes who are adults with free and informed consent should be able to make choices about their own bodies. My body, my choice. Your body, your choice. Enhancements are present in our society. I see you have a coffee cup right there. Mm. Caffeine is the most used enhancement probably in the world, right? And should the government or should some paternalistic sports organization be telling you, peers, how much caffeine you should be able to drink? All right, Mark, again, this... I mean, I think the idea of this is insane, but it's a coherent argument if you want to go to that insane way. My issue, I think, my concern like yours, is it just seems incredibly dangerous. I, mean, I, I spent... I represented Britain for 23 years at senior level and went to five Olympics, and, and I abided by the rules. I think people always twist the rules. I, I, I'd always be amazed by how fast somebody could go if they took something. Mm. But the bottom line is, I don't think that's got any place in sport at the moment. Well, I, I just don't see... Outside. Would people watch it? Uh, probably, possibly. I don't know a lot about the X Games. I think the thing is, if there wants to be competition towards IOC, because IOC is mm. the monopoly of the Olympics, and there's another sporting body, that's one thing, but I, I don't see this. The Olympic Games has had a monopoly on power. Mm. They've run the international sporting world for 120 years. And you want a piece of that action? I want to show the world that there's a better way, not to waste hundreds of billions of dollars of taxpayer money every four years by building dozens of stadiums, throwing them away, and waste and corruption upon corruption. There is a better way to do sports, and most importantly, to people like Mark, 
a way to pay the athletes. And your argument is if they're all doping, none of them are cheats. That's right. Absolutely. It's fair. But how do you stop them, how do you stop them dying? Hmm? How do you stop them dying? Clinical supervision, right? So how how do people not die from taking pharmaceutical medications? When you go to your doctor, you talk to your doctor openly and honestly about what you're intending to do, the conditions that you're suffering from. Mark, does, that all mean, of, does that mean they still sort of compete under the rules then? Because there are, the, as you say, they can't mm. overdose themselves. You're saying there's still rules and regulations where they go and get their drugs from. Yeah, absolutely. We would never encourage anyone to order steroids online from a sketchy pharmacy in Mexico and inject themselves. That's really unsafe. Right. That's what well, athletes are When are you doing. hoping to get this event on? Uh, December of 2024 is when we anticipate to run. Are any top athletes going to do it? They told you. Uh, I am pleased to report that we have over 400 athletes who have registered on our website. We have athletes like Christina Smith, Brett Fraser, Roland Schumann, Olympians all around who are on our athletes advisory board. <laughs> um, and it's time to shake up the system. It's time to have a conversation okay. about how fast the doping Olympics coming to a TV screen near you. I'll believe it when I see it. But thank you for coming in. Mark, thank you for coming thank in. You. That's it from me. We're already up to keep it uncensored and, in my estimation, if you're an athlete, undoped. Good night.